Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation post-game edition here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, and Sean Reed. The Raiders, victorious again. They are red hot, 27-20 over the Los Angeles Chargers. Devontae Adams goes off, a huge game from him. Josh Jacobs, 150 yards of total offense. He just continues his monster season. And the Raiders' defense allows just one touchdown in this game. Uh, really an impressive performance by them. The pass rush got after Justin Herbert. They really took advantage of that that poor and banged up uh, Chargers offensive line. And we're not ready to declare this team alive, but uh, this is the team that I think we thought we were going to see, where the offense was going to be electric, uh, capable of making big plays. And you just wanted to see if their defense could make enough plays. And uh, this was absolutely the formula that we expected to see coming into the season. And, and it's taken a while. We're in week 13, but we're starting to, we're starting to see it now. Yeah, the secret is just Derek Carr crying, man. I mean, ever since then, <laughs> can't fuck with the Raiders. Right? You know, they're scoring 30, 30 points a game, and Josh Jacobs can't be stopped. Devontae Adams can't be stopped. But, no, I mean, this is, as you said, this is the offensive production that we expected. It still isn't the offense that we thought it was going to be because Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro run out there. But then that makes it even more impressive that they're having this sort of output, you know, against teams that – have good defenses, uh, except for the you know, Chargers defense, you know, isn't good. But some against the Broncos and the Seahawks pretty solid defense. So it's not like they're just doing this against a bunch of scrubs. Um, and it, it seems like they're really starting to figure it out. And it's kind of intangible, but, it, but you can kind of feel that they're gaining their confidence. It really, this, this, the script at the beginning of this game was kind of similar to their first Chargers matchup. They fell into an early double-digit lead. Uh, a deficit and they had to dig themselves out of it and, and the first time around they, they pretty much folded under pressure and got away from them until pretty late in the fourth quarter this time you know it was a calmness about them they, they responded and ultimately really took control of the game pretty quickly early on there in the second half and so you can tell that they're making progress which wasn't there at all at the beginning of the season they kept doing the same thing over and over but, but something seems to have clicked in these last few weeks and they're kind of starting to we're not ready to say they're alive and going on a postseason run again and all that, but it, it seems like they're, they're taking steps and then building towards where they want to get to. We talked about it before in the pod, but I think in that Broncos game is where they started to to really kind of figure things out. And I think early in the season, you know, when you get a number one receiver like Devontae Adams, defenses defend you differently. And I, I don't think Derek Carr has ever seen these type of defenses that he was seeing um, with Devontae Adams. Like teams were defending the Raiders, like they were defending the Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey Chiefs, you know, where they're like double bracketing these guys and leaving everybody else one on one. And they're trying to figure out 
like the balance between forcing the ball to Devonte Adams and then attacking these one-on-ones in different areas. And I think they really figured out a nice balance of when they want to go to Adams, how to force the issue and when they have one-on-ones, they, they know when to attack, you know, like Adams didn't have a catch for a little while in this game. And later on, they figured, you know, as soon as he gets one-on-one they hit him on a fade for a touchdown um, for his first touchdown. And now to have this interplay between, you know, if you're going to put two safeties back, we know how to run the ball. And when you bring that safety in, when we, you know, we, we could pass the ball over your head. I don't remember ever seeing um, a play caller call this many flea flickers in my, in my life. I think Josh McDaniel has called a ton of flea flickers. And it, it works because defenses are playing too high against Devontae Adams. But when they play too high, they have to trigger really quickly when they see a, a Josh Jacobs uh, handoff. So as soon as you see that handoff, that safety's coming up. And that's exactly what happened with that touchdown. Uh, to Adams so they're figuring out when to attack one-on-ones when to force the ball to Adams when when to run the ball and it's a nice balance going on right now yeah it's a great one-two punch I mean you, know, you look at the rest of the league and you, you gotta look at Adams and Jacobs or production this year probably two of the top 10 guys in the league as far as production so it's a great one-two punch to have an offense and today defensively you, you saw Charlie Jones three sacks and he and Max Crosby getting pressure on the on the quarterback, Max should have had a sack in that first play. Again, a forced fumble, but it should have been a sack as well in the first play of the game. So you saw the defense and the crowd kind of feeding off each other, and place got very loud at the end of the game. And kind of, uh, it was a very cool atmosphere. This is what they, like you said, this is what they had in mind when they um, got these guys together. And uh, the confidence is definitely up now. So um, here they are. They won three in a row, and uh, they're, they're somehow they're alive. So uh, it's been kind of a, a cool turnaround. Vic said the word. What I say? They're alive. The They're alive. Oh. I mean, you, you talk about the flea flickers. I mean, if you if you look at Jacobs and Adams, you've got to say right now, is that the most dangerous running back in the league and the most dangerous receiver in the league right now? I mean, if if they're not, they're in the top three in each of those. Uh, so it's uh, it really is a hell of a combination. And I mean, if you're Derek Carr and, and the offensive line, I mean, played. Really well, I think. I mean, they, uh, you know, they, they weren't really able to bother Carr that much. Um, we spent a lot of time worrying about how bad this offensive line was going to be, and you know, we said throughout, really, you know, even th- during the losing early in the season, that even though they were losing, it wasn't really the offensive line's fault. And um, now we're starting to see. I mean, a group that is is obviously paving the way for the uh, the NFL's leading leading rusher and um, giving Carr enough time uh, to, to be able to make some plays down the field. It's a pretty dramatic difference between week one against the Chargers and this week against the Chargers. It felt like, you know, any every critical down in week one, they were able to just get like instant pressure. And and obviously Joey Bosa not playing is a, is a huge factor, but it just seemed like Carr was, you know, it, the car had such clean pockets today that, you know, when you watch those two games, it just seems like two different offensive lines. So, uh, you know, I think we got to give some credit to the, the coaching staff and I have to look up the offensive line coach's name because it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> we got to give them credit for uh, coaching these guys up, finding the right combination, even though, you know, that whole rotating offensive line was weird. But I think you know they, they found the right combination of guys now. Yeah. Shout out to Carmen Brasillo, his offensive line coach. Carmen Brasillo. There you go. <laughs> and uh, assistant, assistant offensive coach uh, Cam Clemens, this guy was around last year for the previous staff. Um and, you know, early on in the season, I mean, Josh Dan's gave him a lot of credit. The players did as well. And it kind of kind of felt like coach speak because the group just kept rotating and changing in the middle of the games. It seemed like they didn't like anybody. But it was I mean, genius, man. Yeah, genius. I mean, they, they figure out this five man unit. I mean, you know, Colton Miller, obviously, we all know he's going to start. But, you know, Dylan Parm, a rookie next to him, uh, Andre James in center, Dallas Bars, who 
Who the hell thought Alex Barr is going to be starting and playing well this season? He's balling out. Jermaine Illuminor has developed into a pretty solid starting right tackle for them. I mean, they've got to give that group a lot of credit. As much as we shit on them this offseason and, and the, the, the regime for not making more moves there, um, you know, they still have their warts in pass protection. Like, they're not the best in pass protection, but they are an elite run blocking unit. Like, they, they are clearing, like, on a 20 yard touchdown run um, from Jacobs earlier in the game. I mean, you know, Jacob Johnson made a nice block and, and Foster Moreau and Matt Collins, but I mean, it was a huge hole, you know, up front. And, and that's been the case on a lot of those. I mean, the 86 yarder last week, um, they, they really out, outperformed expectations. And, you know, you got to give them a ton of credit as, as much as you do to the skill position, guys. In the passing game, you know, in the first game of the year, Colton Miller had a tough time with Khalil Mack. And today, Mack was a non factor. So definitely a tip of the cap to Colton as well. Anytime you have a team that spends this much money on the skill position players, um, you know, quarterback, receiver, uh, tight end, and then, you know, maybe you have to pay Jacobs, you know, you're going to have to be cheap in some areas. And it, it helps when you have a coach that can develop offensive linemen to where, you know, you don't have to go out and get that huge free agent. I mean, you know, I think you'd want to spend a little more on offensive line next offseason, but it helps when you have faith in a guy that could be able to develop some, you know, lower draft picks or some guys, retread type of guys to uh, be competent in that area. Hey, Ted, why are the lights changing in your room? Are you at a disco? What's going on? You got a strobe light? What's going on with your... The lights keep changing. Uh, is it changing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just in my living room. Oh, oh purple, go, red, the, yellow, the green. <laughs> the fuck's going on? It's the TV. <laughs> it's uh, the, right. the TV reflecting. Ted's going wall. for the moonlight. Like, yeah, uh, right, cool. Try to seduce you, Vic. That's working. With the moonlight. When we look ahead to next season, and we're not ready to start looking next, ahead season, next season. What I mean, are you talking about? Jacob, we're in a freaking playoff race. It, no, come I'm, on. I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Josh Jacobs and. Is there any way we can view this team like without him? Um, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money now, the, the the season he's had. But, I mean, I just every game that he has, I can't picture this offense without him. I think they have no choice but to, you know, really sign him to a big deal. A franchise tag, right? Will, will he be happy with the franchise tag? I mean, that's, to me, that's the easy solution for them. I'm not sure he'll be happy, but it doesn't really matter. But I can't imagine they give him a long-term contract. But, okay, we'll see. He's for sure not walking uh, for nothing. I can I can say that. You just cannot do that. He's playing. He's, I'll say he's been the best running back in the league this season, in my opinion. I mean, he's. I'm pretty sure he's still leading the league in rushing yards, probably leading the league in scrimmage yards. He's on pace to break the record, the Raiders' single-season rushing record. Um, if, he, if he keeps going how he's going. I mean, he's, he's had six 100-yard rushing performances already this season. I mean, the, the efficiency, he was over five yards a carry again today. And again, the offensive line is, is playing well, and they deserve a lot of credit. But it's also just, I mean, you watch him on some of those runs. He's just bouncing off of guys and making something out of nothing on a lot of those. And it's, it's not always a big game. It might be an extra two yards, extra three yards, extra four yards. But that stuff adds up over the course of a contest. And played through calf injury again today. Like He, he was questionable to play in this one, and, and he's just he's showing no signs of slowing down. And that combination, that's what makes the offense, even though they're, they're still shorthanded, you know, I mean, they have to respect him. They have to respect Devontae Adams. And, and it's really a pick your poison situation. Yeah. And, I mean, the reason why running back contract is so difficult, even with a guy that, you know, plays as, as well as Josh Jacobs is because, you know, like Arif Hassan did a um, did a study. And since 2016, backs with the average annual value that consumed at least 4% of the cap. Only four of those guys out of 17 made good on their contracts. It's just difficult for running backs to be consistent year to year because a lot, some of their success depends on the offensive line. You know, if there's a drop off in offensive line, you don't get blocking, then, you know, they, it's hard for them to produce. Like Josh Jacobs last season, 
You know, it's not like he became this much, much better back this season. He couldn't get any blocking last season and he was very, he wasn't productive. And, and then the second thing you have to consider is, is health. And there's a point where running backs do fall off, you know, so that those are the things you have to consider when looking at running back contracts. But, you know, like you guys said, you know, when you see Josh Jacobs and the way he plays and the difference he makes because of how many tackles he breaks, you know, like you, I think you have to find a way to, to bring him back somehow, but you just hope you don't have to give out a huge contract that's maybe too long-term, you know, so maybe the franchise franchise tag is the right answer for the, um, the team, but uh, you know, who knows if he's going to be happy with that. Yeah. I mean, Josh, Important thing to keep in mind, he's only 24 years old. Like, he turns 25 in February. But, like, even though he's been around for a little bit, if you think about it, like, he's pretty young still. It's not like he's close to 30 or kind of that even late 20s when running backs usually drop off. Like, I think it's pretty reasonable expecting to have another two, maybe three seasons in there where he's he's performing at a high level. The other thing is this, this running back market, we said this before, it's pretty saturated. Like, Saquon Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. Like, there's a bunch of guys out there. Um, and so I don't. I don't know, like, how many other teams are going to be. I'm sure there's going to be somebody else that wants Josh Jacobs, but I don't know, like, what the price tag is going to be, you know. So franchise tag, like, if you absolutely can't get a deal done, a long-term deal is kind of last resort, but maybe they can figure out something where it's like a two- or three-year deal with, with some worked-around guarantees to, to lock him up and, and, and avoid having any, you know, morale issues coming in the next year. I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, I mean, at 24, I mean, you signed him to a – even if you go four-year deal – I mean, you're talking about if you sign him to a four-year deal, there's probably exit ramps in that deal after two or three years. But I mean, even if you, you talk if you talk about a four-year deal, I mean, that's playing out through age 28. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 the age factor. And the one thing that has always been kind of talked about him when he came in the league is that you know at Alabama he didn't have a ton of tread on his tires. It's not like he's a guy that was uh, you know carrying a huge load there, just the way Alabama you know has has such a you know, uh, stable of back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you talk about doing a franchise tag, then you're just kind of putting off that decision for another year and you're probably just tagging him for a year and then, and then maybe letting him walk. But I mean, I, I think if I'm the Raiders, I have to look into, uh, finding a three or four year deal for him. Yeah. I think that, you know, he would hit free agency again around 28, still, you know, a couple of years left of a running backs prime. Cause you think 30 is kind of the age where things go downhill. So I, I think that's fair. You know, I, I think, that would be a sweet spot, three, four years. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, the other person I think... We've got to start giving a little credit to. We were really hard on Josh McDaniels. Uh, you, you go back three weeks ago, and um, he lost to uh, to a high school coach. He lost to Jeff Saturday, and rightfully so. We uh, we we ripped him pretty hard. This looked like a coach who, uh, at that point, when you combine the the way his tenure in in Denver had ended, I mean, he uh, he had not done a lot of winning. And I don't know. We we don't know if something kind of clicked in the way in the locker room, the way Derek Carr called. He say called the players out maybe he was a little bit calling the coaching staff out 
we don't know what happened exactly at that point, but um, I mean, the way that the team has responded to that whole situation, uh, and I think we've seen some better play calling out of McDaniels. I think the offense has looked a little smoother. You know, we're, we're not ready to say that he's going to be uh, the next great head coach or anything, but uh, I do think he does deserve a little bit of credit for the way they've been able to turn it around. Didn't somebody call Todd Downing the next Bill Walsh uh, after like a good play calling game that that year? You're not you're not ready to call Josh McDaniels the next Bill Walsh yet. I am not. Okay, <laughs> we can, we sure. have to go that far. <laughs> yeah, but I was, I was kind of when they fell behind ten zip. Uh, I was kind of interested to see like are they, are they going to do it again like what they did the first time against the Chargers? Just air it out and throw it forty times trying to you know mount a comeback, but. And I think maybe part of what gave him confidence in that was it really wasn't like the defense was looking good early on. Um, you know, they, they've the reason why they scored a touchdown was offense's fault through a pick six. And so I think that gave them the confidence to stick with the run. I mean, they finished with 29 rushing attempts tonight overall and 30 passes. So it was really about as balanced as you can get in terms of offensive game plan and kept the charges on the, on the toes all the way through. Like every time they sold out on the run, they passed. Every time they sold out on the pass, they ran the ball. Like he's, He's really, and this stems back to Josh Jacobs, the way he's been playing, like that's, that's kind of unlocked this offense for him. And you have to start imagining, I mean, you know, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, they're going to be eligible to be designated for return from the IR next week. You know, it's a short week, Thursday, so it's not much practice time. It might be kind of hard for them to get back for the Rams game, but those guys are, are going to be back soon. And, and, I mean, you start thinking about what this offense could, could look like with, with those two pieces added in addition to the way Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams are playing. And Derek Carr, he's playing well. The offensive line's holding up. McDaniels is figuring out his play-calling groove. Like, this could be a unit that's like, what do you do? Like, how do you stop him? And that's, that's what we were kind of thinking coming into the year, and, and we could really start to see it coalesce here in, in these next couple of weeks. I thought the pick six was a bad call. What do you guys think? I thought it was definitely interference. I know they had that flag and they picked it up, but – I thought it clearly that Holland's got hit before the ball came in. Uh, rewatching it, it looked like he. I mean, he got there about the same time. I think like it, like he he started to making a play on the ball. Yeah, he started to yeah, lunge. It was borderline. Yeah, but it was it was close enough to where it was like. I mean, he hit him in the back of the head, but he like hit him as the ball got there. So I mean, I don't have to not touch you when the ball is there. Like I can I can smack you upside the head if I want to. Like so, um, <laughs> well, you know, not, really. I mean, not, not necessarily, <laughs> but like in terms of like. Like I, you I, can, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it wasn't really. I didn't. I didn't think it was pi. Yeah, he made a, made a good play on. The I mean, ball he has a right to go for the ball too. Is kind of. The... He doesn't have to wait until like it's in your hands to try to try to get it. I think it looked like he because uh, above it kind of looked like he like jumped forward and made contact with him, but I think he was just positioning his body and so. Eh, and I didn't think it was it was something to to harp off of really. Yeah. I mean, they overcame it. Without the pick six, the defense really only gave up 13 points. That's that's a you know, pretty great performance against a, a good quarterback that uh, – a very good quarterback that, um, you know, got Keenan Allen back. The offense looks different without with Keenan Allen there for sure. And I uh, thought it was pretty funny that Jerry Tillery, you know, <laughs> had like one of the best games of his career uh, pass rushing against uh, his former team. Like he finally got motivated when uh, he had a revenge game factor going in. It's always funny a guy like that that like you're gonna be bad playing against this team that cuts you, but like you spend three and a half years playing for that team, never making any plays, like, and then suddenly like, oh, I'm gonna show them what they're missing. Like, nah, if you would if you'd played like that, you, you would have got cut. But nah, I mean he's he's been he's been good for them. But uh, you know, shouts out to them. But like, we gotta give some love to Chandler Jones, man. With that that's, that's uh, where we're going I mean, next. I mean, three sacks in the in the first half. Pressure, like quarterback hits, set up. Deflecting balls, yeah, yeah deflecting passes. He set up, set up the safety, Isaiah uh, 
I'm not gonna mess up his last name, but like set him up for a sack even. So like he was he was balling out. Like we were thinking I was expecting it anyway, like a big game from Max Crosby because of the, the Chargers situation at right tackle. Um but you know, with it seems like the Chargers kinda slit their protection at his side and Chandler Jones. That's what he's been doing all year. Yeah. They've been putting their yeah. attention on Max Crosby yeah. and he hasn't yeah. been doing it. I, I, I don't know what it, yeah, he broke through today. He was working Jamari Sailor. Like, I mean, he was he was giving him hell. Like, like this was a, the breakout performance finally. It took a while, but he, he came through today. No doubt, man. I talked to um, Chandler in Sarasota. He definitely um he hit me. He's an extremely positive person. He's a very positive person, and he definitely always had faith that he was going to be. I mean, he, he thought he was playing well. Just that he realized he hadn't gotten the numbers. The, the stacks were coming, but he thought he was contributing, and today he definitely did. And I think um, definitely a guy who players in the locker room respect a lot and kind of uh, I think his leadership, even without the sacks this year, has been good. So I think today was a nice reward for him. And just another sign this team is definitely coming together, and I think um, the players are very happy for him and also just for the defense overall today how they played. I mean, it just completely changes this defense if, teams go into games feeling like they have to worry about both sides and I think you know teams probably were, were starting to kind of you know I mean yes maybe Jones have been have been better he'd been playing the run well whatever he'd better than the numbers indicate but I mean when you're an edge rusher with over 100 career sacks and you're 11 games into the season you got a half sack uh you know you you're not doing enough um so I mean if this can if this can change the way that the teams have to game plan against them and, and kind of understand that, like, okay, that guy is now making plays, um, uh, it can unlock this defense. And and the other guy who can help unlock it is Nate Hobbs, getting him back out there. He had the big fumble recovery, um, you know, and obviously he's just a guy who can who can make plays for them in that in that secondary. Yeah, I think the pass rush and probably something that has helped with Chandler is, you know, while while Max Crosby has been sensational, like the interior pass rush had been nothing, like for most of the season and, and like even in this game Andrew Billings who had a big game last last week he's he was out and then Jerry Tillery stepped up and he had a court, couple quarterback hits today and so having that interior rush plus having to worry about Max Crosby like it's truly just a one-on-one situation with Chandler Jones and it, it kind of just opens up everything for him and so that defensive line um, can produce this way um, consistently like that takes a lot off the back end because like you know I mean like secondary you know, it's, it's, it's still it's not it's not great like you know it's, it's just they don't have great personnel back there and so they need the pass rush like if they don't get a pass rush like they're going to get fried you know or what what uh what keenan Allen thought he was going to do today barbecue chicken but when that pass pass rush is coming and a quarterback doesn't have any time to throw it's a lot, a lot easier to cover and so um you just kind of see them, them feeding off of each other and you know this defense you know that they, they had a really good performance today i'm still you know they, they, they lack some talent, but they do have those guys who have the potential to be difference makers, whether that's uh, Max or Chandler or, or Nate Hobbs or maybe Devon Diablo when he gets back. Rockison played well today. So, you know, they, they play complimentary football today. I think it's probably their most complete win as a team so far this season, just when you consider how well they played on both sides of the ball. Um, it was a pretty clean game, not many penalties um, outside of the turnover. But, you know, it's pretty much an all-around team win, the game, win today against a team that, you know, it's in, it's in the playoff hunt. Playoff hunt? Using the word playoff hunt. Wow. I said, I said against the team that was in the playoff. Oh, okay. okay. I, say, I, say, I mean, they are. I mean, they, looking at the thing, I mean, they're, they're two losses back of the current seven-seeded Jets. Obviously, there's still some games left to be played, but they're really not. Like, it's only two losses, so it's, it's not that big of a gap. But they, they pretty much, like, they at most, they can lose one more game the rest of the season. Austin Mock gives them a 5.8% chance. Uh, make yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, so it's, it's better than zero. It's better than yeah. zero. Yeah, I, I think Jerry Tillery is not a guy you want to start 
keep him on a field too long, but as a situational pass rusher for, especially for this team that really lacked, you know, any juice inside that, you know, I, I think he can make a, a, a decent impact. You know, if he's just a third down guy, instead of a guy that you want to depend on on first and second down to stop the run, which I don't think he's good at at all, but just a guy that could get some push inside, especially if, you know, you get Max Crosby rushing off the edge and Chandler Jones starting to step up, you know, you have some somebody inside that could push the pocket. It makes a difference. You know, and now we, we're, we're going to get more into, uh, you know, Thursday's game. We'll, we'll have a, another podcast later this week. Uh, I think the plan, well, we'll let you guys know about the scheduling, but we're going to aim to do a live room uh, probably on Tuesday. But, I mean, it, it's the quick turnaround, but it's the Rams who are, they played okay. You know, they kind of fought hard against the Seahawks today. But, um, you know, it, it's a, you know, if you're talking about going on the road on a short week, be able to go to L.A. We're going to have a nice crowd supporting you against a team that you know Matthew Stafford's basically out for the season sounds like um it's it's a chance for them to, to start th- stringing it together and you know if they get a couple more of these then uh you know it really could come down to um it, let's say they go and beat the Rams and then they uh they've got that Sunday night home game against the Patriots um Josh McDaniels against his uh his old team uh that, that that's where it could get interesting if if that's a win if that's a game that could possibly get them back to 500 then we can start talking about a, a late December that could be exciting but um I think the next two weeks will really tell us if this team has any chance to to actually get into the into the potential playoff picture they should beat the Rams like, I know it's a road it's not really a road game it's gonna be a home crowd um, at SoFi Stadium for the Raiders because that's how it is out there. Um, it's a short week, you know, things can get wonky, but as a team, they should beat for sure. Um, I believe Aaron Donald isn't going to play either in that game, and so like I, I'm hesitant to say because like they've lost, you know, the Colts game, Jaguars game, Cardinals, like they've lost games they should have won this season, so it's far from a guarantee. But like, you know, I mean, you win four in a row, you start like again that confidence I spoke of earlier it continues to increase and. Patriots are very beatable. Like, Mac Jones has been not good this year. Mac Patricia is calling plays over there, which is still wild to me. And so, like, there's a pretty clear path to 500. After that, you know, I mean, like, even that little shit, you know, Jimmy G, we found out today, he broke his foot. He's done for the season. So, like, that 49ers game, you know, they're still, they still have a good team. But, like, you know, so there's, there's, there's a – you can start – you sit there and start looking at it week by week as a Raiders fan, I'm sure – they're starting to feel it. And they're like, oh, we can, we can do it again. We can go on a run. And so it's, it's not impossible. I know it's Austin Mock, you know, 5% chance. But they ha- they have something to play for. And that's the, the locker room has something. On a serious note, the locker room has something to aim towards. And the, and the coaching staff, there's a rallying point they can make to keep guys locked in. I think they already are since they won three straight. But they can kind of keep this going from here and, and keep that momentum and keep that level of buy-in um, towards building something. And so much better situation than just a few weeks ago. And Shows how quickly things can change. Yeah, the, the team definitely stayed together through uh, the bad losses, through that horrible, you know, trip through uh, Florida to New, uh, New Orleans and, uh, and Jacksonville, which is kind of a, the down point of the season. They definitely suck. Give the leaders and the team credit. Give the coaches credit because they didn't uh, they didn't stray too far from the message and from the rallying that they could have the talent to do this. That they have stuck together and and they have. So, uh, got to tip your cap to uh, both the coaches and the leaders and, and the players on this team. Yeah, I mean, this, they survived several like holy crap. This is the this has to be the low point type of moments this season, like the Cardinals game, uh, the Colts game. Oh man, you know, like you just think it can't get worse, and it, it got worse. But they they were able to stick together and, and get out, get out of it. So um, it's pretty impressive. And yeah, I mean, they, they, they have to beat the Rams. I mean, like this is not, 
the Rams don't have Matthew Stafford. Their Walford hurt his ankle today. The the quarterback, you know, so he'll probably play, but he's going to be hampered. They don't have Cooper Cup. You know, I, their I just offensive think, line has been a mess. Yeah, I mean, they might have the worst offensive line in the league with how many guys get injured, got injured on that line. So. Uh, this is a team where the defensive, you know, the, the defense should be able to dominate the offensive line. The offense should be able to run the ball pretty effectively and and, and move the ball against this defense that was really dependent on on Aaron Donald, and now they don't have him. Hey, we might be jinxing them, man. We're... I know. Oh, <laughs> I feel yeah, like no. we're I doing. Know. I feel like we're doing it again. But like, they, it's... We, we. I mean, he, he's going to make his pick on Tuesday, but we just need to know who who Vic's going to pick because if Vic picks the Raiders. And that, unfortunately, Raider fans me- means that they will lose. Because Vic, Vic, I've talked to several fans uh, you know, on my way out here and uh, before and after the game, and asking for I've favors. promised not to pick the Raiders the rest of the year. So I'll pick against them the rest of the year oh. to make sure they can keep winning. So that's my uh, my gift to Raider Nation. Merry, Merry Christmas! Wow, Happy, Happy Hanukkah! Vic's willing to sacrifice his reputation exactly. as a game picker. For the Raiders and the Raider Vic's fans. Vic's record on Raider games this year is two and ten. He's not sacrificing anything. He's, I, 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 what's the reason for the reason for that? Is because people win three or four games in a row and they lost. I believed in the process. The process took too long for me. This fucking, the fucking process. process took too long for me to get going. So that's why my record's in the shitter. But uh, it's all good. Life is good. Raiders are back in factor. Fans are happy again. People are singing. It's great. Well, speaking of singing, uh, what's going on, Vic? I gotta sing this song. What's uh, what's uh, "Sail" by AWOL Nation? That's the song. Yeah, yeah. Are we uh, are we letting the pipes? No, out I've tonight? never sung in the press box before, right? I'll, so I'm not gonna start that trend tonight. <laughs> the acoustics here are terrible. I'll get some really strange looks from my uh, fellow journalists. So I'm gonna keep my one little shred of dignity that I have in this profession, and I'll do it on the uh, on the Tuesday <laughs> show. Whatever. I'll sing. I'll practice. That's a tease. I'll practice really hard for you guys, and I'll sing it on Tuesday. This guy. I'm sorry for lying on Twitter, y'all. I thought he was thought he was busting out the pipes tonight, man. This is not happening. No, man. I'm talking to players in the locker room. I can't be preparing my song while I'm talking to guys in the locker room. I gotta focus, man. Focus. I didn't know the song. I I, I gotta look the song up. You were not prepared. You uh people were sending you the link, getting trying to get you ready for it, and uh you didn't want to get ready. You uh you didn't believe, but all right, everybody get ready for Tuesday. Vic, we'll see. That's oh, gonna we'll, be uh, awesome. We'll take your questions. It's gonna Just be, uh, be gonna incredible. Be Just can't wait. <laughs> all right everybody well that will wrap up this episode of state of the nation we'll be back on tuesday with a live room get you ready for the raiders taking on the los angeles rams adios later you can't get rid of Derek Carr and go get jimmy g